All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Colossians, Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, the title of this morning's message is Scheduling Time. Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading in verse 2. The Bible says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Now, uh, any time that we're, we've spent in prayer is uh, time well spent. Wouldn't you agree with that? Time in prayer. How about this? Uh, time in thankfulness. Isn't it so easy to uh, pick out the things that we could uh, complain about, the things that we could uh, find that's wrong? But uh, continuing in, in thanksgiving, uh, there is a lot. I mean, there is a lot for us to be thankful for. If we just started right now counting our blessings, where we're at, and the blessings that we have, and the health that we have, uh, continuing in prayer, and continuing in thanksgiving, and thanksgiving in prayer, thanksgiving to God, is time well spent. But look at verse 3. He says, With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. He says that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. He tells the believers here, he says, walk in wisdom toward those that are without, redeeming the time. So he says here, as you're praying, as you're praying, pray for an open door. Do you know what open doors are as far as uh, uh, an opportunity, a chance to tell others about Christ? Uh, an open door is, is, is maximizing our time. Uh, when God opens a door, so much of our uh, earthly uh, uh, planning, our own uh, uh, desires that we're trying to schedule and trying to work out, but when God opens a door, it just... It just works. And we begin to walk through it. That's why he says to pray for this open door. And then he tells us here, he says that he is bound, as a, as a believer, he is bound to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Christians, this, this the gospel, the gospel, the good news, is, is what, what God used. He saved us by the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. And it's what God will use to save those that need Christ. And so he says, as believers, we're bound to this gospel. He says that it's important, though, that we are wise toward them that need to hear the gospel, toward those that seek after Christ. He says, hey, uh, in other words, don't just live our life not preparing, not scheduling uh, to preach the gospel, to present the gospel to those that are without. He says, redeeming the time. Now what's it mean to redeem the time? It's a ransoming, right? It's, a, it's delivering back from something that has been a captive or in bondage. And when you start to think about, hey, there's time out there that if we're not uh, careful, it just goes, right? It doesn't stop for anyone, <laughs> does it? As we begin to think, hey, I need to schedule the time that Paul says, hey, listen, I'm I'm telling you as Christians, uh, plan to tell others about Jesus Christ, about the gospel. Now, 
all of us are busy, I understand that, but, but if we're honest, if we had to think about it, there's still plenty of time that is wasted, right? Non-productive time, right? You start looking around at just how much time we could spend on the internet. Or, or, or a, a TV or something like that. Now, now, don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching against these things. I'm just telling you that if you're to look to start redeeming some time, those might be some of the first places that you start to look. You say, well, hey, I can find some time here. We take a, uh, a look at the gospel here. He says in verse 6, as we're redeeming the time, he says, watch how we speak. He says, let your speech be always with grace. This is how we're to... This is how we are to preach the gospel and tell others about Christ, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. As we look at our schedule, now I'm going to become uh, a lot more practical. If you look at your schedule, how, how much time is scheduled in for, for living this out practically? for telling others about Jesus Christ, for preaching the gospel, for presenting the gospel toward those that are lost. I mean, how many minutes and how many hours would we begin to say, hey, Lord, we're, we're praying, we're preparing to tell others about Jesus Christ. You say, that is the church's job, right? Would everyone agree here that it is the church's job to be a light to the world, to be a light to the community, to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, the church is us. We're the church. This is it. Uh, now, the church is, uh, in the corporate sense, of every, every believer that has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And when we do that, when we've experienced the grace of God through salvation, then we, we become responsible by God's calling to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not something that we are just waiting for the church to schedule a time for us all to go and witness. Now sometimes that may be helpful. We may do a, something like that, an outreach. Sure. But it's not, it's not that. It's you in your own individual life Accepting the calling, accepting the mission that God has given you, and then you, in your own individual life, you say, I will start witnessing when, when the church schedules it. No, 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 no. It's already scheduled. It's, your, it's our life. And, it's, and, it's, and you say, but where do I go to tell others about Jesus Christ? Where do you go already? It's that. It's your workplace. It's your family. It's your home. It's, 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 it's saying, hey, listen, uh, family time is so important, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to schedule for me and my family uh, to grow spiritually. I'm going to plan time for that. I'm going to plan for me and my family to be a part of the Great Commission, to tell others about Jesus Christ. What greater family activity could we do than to get folks involved uh, together as a family to tell people? Many folks... Uh, have fear of opening their mouths about uh, Jesus Christ and telling people, although they've experienced it, there's still like a hesitation. Of, maybe I don't know, you know. Maybe I don't know enough. 
I, I find it interesting, uh, I was talking the other night about the, the woman at the well, and how she, uh, she found that water of life. You know, Christ gave it to her. What did she do immediately? She went into the city, into Samaria, and she told people, she told them just what she knew. Hey, I met a man, knew everything I'd done. And she says, come and see him, right? Now, this lady didn't know a lot, but she knew that. And you know what? It worked. They all came. So many times we're afraid we don't know enough, but hey, we know enough. We know enough that if, if God changed our heart, if God changed our life, just say that. I mean, the excitement of it is just start opening our mouths and telling. And you know what I believe? I do believe that the Holy Spirit of God will help us. He'll empower us. He'll guide our words and empower us in opening our mouths. I, I, just as I read in the passage here, we have to pray for open doors. I believe that God opens doors. I believe that God, if we'll seek Him and allow Him, He will orchestrate. I don't believe in coincidences. Not as Christians. I mean, if that's, we don't believe in that, right? He's going to orchestrate our life. He's going to put us in the path of people that are seeking the Lord and needing the Lord. And so, as we begin to say, Lord, open a door. I want to I show someone your love. I want to show them your grace. I want to show them uh, the hope that comes. When we talk about this, we, 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 we have to, as Christians, he, he, he reminds us over and over about you know, redeeming the time, of being intentional to grow, of abiding in Christ. There is a, a sense of we have to tell our time where to go, right? Or it's just going to do its own thing. And maybe one day we'll say, I wish I had. We don't want to go there. He's saying redeem the time. Open our mouths. Be a light to the gospel. If you're here this morning and you've never committed to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never committed to Christ for salvation, for your sin. Salvation. You've never surrendered to it, accepted it, the free gift of Jesus Christ. I have to say that that is the most important decision that any individual could ever make is accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I would say that it's time to redeem the time. That enough time has gone by, enough time has been spent, but today, today's the day to say, listen, okay, I've thought about it, I, I, I've been drawn to Christ, I've heard the message, I know about it, but now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say today is, is the day I'm going to accept the free gift of Jesus Christ and begin to live in the light of His, of His Holy Spirit, His guiding and His love and His grace. And just all the things that salvation offers. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. This, we've just started uh, the study in Corinthians on Wednesday nights. And he, 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 he tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, which we were talking about last week, I find is interesting. He says, he's talking about the difference between you know, the, the natural man just seeing the things here on earth as they are, and the spiritual man being able to see that dimension uh, that's spiritual that we can't necessarily pick up or perceive uh, by our senses. And he's writing to Christians. He's writing to a church. And the first four verses are, are, are pretty amazing. He says, and I, brethren, when he says brethren, he's talking to Christians, he's talking to believers, he said, could not speak 
under you as under spiritual, but as under carnal. In other words, he's saying, I can't speak to you on a spiritual level, but at just an earthly level. I can only, Paul says, I can only talk to the church in earthly things. He says, even as, uh, but as under carnal, even as under babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet are you, uh, uh, yet now are you able. For ye are yet carnal. For as there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? It's interesting, Paul writes this letter. Paul had gone there and preached the gospel in Corinth. And many of the folks had accepted Christ and been saved. He stayed there with them and begins to teach them the Bible for about a year and a half. And then he goes away, sends someone to check on them. And they come back with the message of how the church is going. And, and he writes a letter to them and says, listen, you guys haven't grown at all. When I was first there, I, I preached to you and, and I fed you with milk. I gave you the basics of Christianity because you were a baby. And that's okay, right? It's okay to be a baby in Christ because you got to start somewhere. It's a new birth. But he says, listen, these years later, you're still babes in Christ. He goes, you haven't grown at all in Christ. And he says, the reason that you haven't grown, the reason that your spiritual growth has been stunted is because of carnality. Or in other words, it's because of worldliness. You're, you're caught up in all the things of this world, completely consumed with all the things of this world. And I'm not trying, you know, I'm not trying to be uh, hard on all of us today, but you know, it's, we have the same pitfalls that the, the church at Corinth does. If we were to take a look at our calendar, you know, and we would say, how much of what I do every day and all the time is just earthly based? Now, all of us, we have, we have things to do. We've got to take care of all the things in, in our earth, in our home, in our house, in our jobs, and all those things. But while we're doing that, why we're doing that? Are we able to open our eyes to the spiritual path? To see that, hey, there's people in need. There's people that could be helped. I have the, the hope of Jesus Christ, the Word of God in me, and I can give it to others in that context and in that place. Have you ever, have you ever seen, heard someone say, you know, they give someone a job to do? I'm sure this happened to me many times as a kid. My parents, they always had me working on something that grew up in the country. There was always a job to do, a task to do, and they'd set me out doing it. And I'd end up, you know, daydreaming and playing with my dog or something. And parents would come back later and say, nothing has been done, you know? You haven't accomplished anything. That's, that's, what, that's what Paul's saying to the church. He says, listen, you as a church had all that you needed to grow. You had... You, you know, you had the Holy Spirit of God in you. You received Jesus Christ through salvation. But yet you still haven't grown. He goes on to verse 8 and 9 and talks about how he and, and, and others had watered and planted in their lives. And, and really how he expects them to have continued it. Hey, someone prayed for you. Hey, someone told you about Jesus Christ. Someone... Uh, uh, put blessings in your life and helped you along your journey. And he's saying, hey, because you are so earthly minded, because you are so carnally minded, you are unable to see the need for other people uh, and your own spiritual growth. 
When we're, when we're talking about redeeming the time for the lost to tell those that need to hear Christ, it's really in a practical way. It, it's going to be making a phone call, right? Uh, scheduling a visit. Uh, taking time to pray. You know, pray for an individual. Say, hey, this person is on my mind. It's in my heart. I'm going to pray for them that God would allow me to open my mouth and be a help and a blessing. You know, this, this preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel, giving our testimony, this is, this is in a real practical way, right? Of just, of just doing it. And the same is true in our spiritual growth. Our spiritual growth is going to be in just a real practical way. It's going to be Bible-based, right? It's going to be prayer-based. It's going to be uh, you know, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, uh, being intentional, being the Word, you know, actually spending time in prayer. You know, I'm probably I'm ashamed to say for a lot of Christians, a lot of believers... Our prayer life really consists of, uh, help me, you know, I'm in trouble. Very seldom are we spending a lot of time in prayer with the Lord unless we, what, need Him. But if we want to be intentional to grow, if we want to be intentional to get into a fellowship and, and relationship with Him, look at Second Peter. Peter writes this letter, Second Peter chapter 1, and he knows... He knows it's getting near the end for him, and he's telling believers, hey, you've got to be intentional about your growth. You've got to, you've got to draw close to the Lord. It's like, have you noticed in your Christian life since you've accepted Christ as your Savior, been saved, born again, that you have to be intentional to grow? It, it's like, Assuming that by buying a gym membership that, you know, the weight's just going to fall off and muscle's going to appear. That's not how it happens, is it? You, you get the gym membership, now you've got, all the, you've got all the tools available to you, right? But you've got to go in and work it out, right? The same is true in Christ. When you accept Christ, He has given you all the tools. He's given you His Spirit, He's given you His Word, He's given you... Christian brothers and sisters, he's given you a mission, he's given you a job to do, he's given us all kinds of things, he's given us the privilege of prayer and a relationship with him, I mean, he's given us all these things, but if we don't use them, then we're not working out our salvation, we're not, we're not growing, being intentional to grow in Christ, it really comes down to a desire of wanting to know Christ, you're here in Second Peter. Look with me. We'll just start reading in verse, verse two. He says, "Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord." A couple things here. I, I pointed this out not long ago in Corinthians, but peace comes after grace. Peace comes after grace. He says grace and peace. Uh, if it wasn't for the grace of God in each and every one of our lives, we couldn't have peace. We couldn't have peace with God. It's by His grace, His forgiveness, His love toward us that we are able to have peace 
peace with God, peace in our hearts. He says, he says this grace and this peace. Now, I don't want us to get mistaken to think in order for me to grow as a Christian that I have to grow in all these facts about the Bible. I don't want us to make that mistake. It's not about just growing in facts and trivia. Like I could, you know, I could be the winner of Bible trivia. Uh, it's not, it's, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is just what he says in this Bible. In verse 2 he says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge, not just knowledge period, right? The knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what, you know what, we, what we need to grow in? And what will change our life is growing and getting to know Jesus in a relationship with Him. That's what this is about. This is about a relationship with Him. And getting to know Him is what causes us to grow. And, and here's the practical thing. You can't get to know somebody without spending time with them. You know, you could read about people and then you know about them. Boy, really get to know them. You got to do stuff with them. You got to, you got to fellowship with them. You got to talk to them. You got to spend time with them, right? I mean, to get to know somebody. That's what Christ wants for us. How do we get to know Him? It's through communication. Us talking to Him. That's through prayer. Him talking to us through His Spirit, through His Word, and our and our and our and our knowledge begins to grow of Him. And when our knowledge begins to grow of Him, then we begin to grow spiritually. You know, somebody that's excited about a, a new relationship, right? Uh, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend type thing. You know what they do? They talk about it, don't they? That's, that's, that's really, I mean, I'm just trying to say to a really practical way, that's what happens with us. When we start really getting excited about our relationship with Christ, we're going to tell people about it. We're just going to say, hey, at work, we're going to be like, oh, man. You know, this is what I'm learning. This is I, I'm, I'm having the greatest time of my life in Christ. That's witnessing. That's it. It's that, it's that simple. It's not like this, again, not like this church-sanctioned Saturday at noon. Now we're going to all put on our witnessing hats and go out march one by one and start telling people about Jesus. I'm talking about you being intentional to grow and then you out of an overflow telling people about your relationship that's real. Not fake, not because someone told you to, just because it's really affecting your life. And it's really wonderful. It's really the best thing that's ever happened to us is Jesus Christ. He says it's, it's through a knowledge of Him. He says, verse 3, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. He says it again. He's given us everything that we need for life and for godliness, to draw close to God. And how has He given us everything we need? Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and to virtue. He gives us everything that we need by knowing Him through His Spirit. Have you ever heard someone say, Wow, she has great faith, right? They see things that they're going through, things that they're facing, you know, and, they, and they're able to trust God through it all. Or you look at someone like in the Bible, like Abraham, and you say, wow, he had great faith, right? You know what the truth of the matter is? 
We all have the same faith. We've all been given faith. If, you, if you've accepted Christ, if you've been born again, you've accepted faith, but you just might not be tapping into the power source. You just might not be uh, recognizing, keeping our eyes on Christ, and when our eyes are on Him, and we see Him for who He is, everything else around us seems to not matter as much. Even the crisis. They just aren't, it's just, you know, you say, I want to get worried. I really should be worried right now. Things should be bad, but deep down inside, I'm at peace. Why? Because my eyes are on Him. I'm trusting Him. I'm believing that He will deliver us. He has given all of us as believers in Christ the things that we need for this life and and to please Him and to serve Him. He says in verse 4, it's, it's by his, his, his divine power. Uh, Hereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay. He's saying because of the divine nature that you've received, we believe as Christians, the Bible teaches, you must be born again, Right? There's a second birth that happens in salvation. That birth is a divine nature that you take on. And he, he now empowers us through His Spirit to live for Him, right? And He says, and you're able to overcome the corruption that's in this world and the lust. Now, what was it that stunned the spiritual growth of the Corinthians? Earthly lusts, right? They were just given over to just what feels good do it, Right? Uh, just whatever's easiest, you know, we'll, we'll go with the flow or whatever they say. And he says, no, he's given us the strength to be able to overcome the corruption, the lust that are destroying us, that are hurting us. So he has given us the power to be able to grow. But we still have to be intentional to fellowship, to go after, to get to know Christ. All right? He talks about these exceeding great promises. You know what helps our faith is standing on the promises. Standing on the promises. Uh, one I love is, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a wonderful promise. Uh, casting all your care upon Him because He careth for you. I shall supply all your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. And these are some good promises. Uh, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Give it to all men liberally and pray it not. That's another good promise. I mean, these are promises that we can stand on that will help us in our life and decisions and our growth. He says now in verse 5, and here's, here's where Peter is telling Christians how, how to practically do it. He says in verse 5, and besides this, he's given us the power, he's given us the divine nature, he's given us the ability and besides, uh, besides this, giving all diligence, so we have to be diligent to do this, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. He says, listen, uh, be diligent, add to what God has already given you with the power that he's given you, add to your life, add virtue. What's virtue? It's strength. It's valor, it's moral goodness, a virtuous person. He says, add to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, he's already told us what knowledge that we are to be adding to, a knowledge of him. He says in verse 6, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, 
godliness. He's saying, listen, as you add, add these things to your life through the Lord. Uh, uh, again, how is it that these things uh, begin to come into our lives? Has anyone ever told you that uh, if you hang out with the wrong crowd, it's going to eventually rub off on you? You know, that's what we grew up. Our mom and dad told us that. You know, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. It's going to rub off on us, right? Well, the opposite is true, too. You hang out with the right folks, that's going to rub off on us. If If we're fellowshipping with Christ and we're getting to know Him, you know what's going to happen? His character is going to begin to come through us. Virtue. Temperance. Patience. Charity. These are all things that are Christ's uh, Christ's character coming through us. Right? Isn't that what it means when we call ourselves Christians? It is, isn't it? To be what? Christ-like. As if we are following Christ. That's what it means to be Christians. He says... Temperance. Temperance is moderation or calmness. There's patience, godliness. Look at verse 7. He says these are things he's saying to add to our life. He says, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. Listen, as we begin to add to our lives uh, 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 in faith, following Christ, you know what will eventually happen? We'll start being kind to each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. Ultimately, you know what will happen? We'll have charity in our lives. You know, he, he has that whole chapter on charity in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But ultimately, he says in verse 2 and, and 3 of 1 Corinthians 13, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could move mountains and have not charity, he says, I'm nothing. Now what's charity? It's the love of God in us. It's God's love in us, uh, coming out, coming through us. He says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And then at the end of that passage, the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And that's exactly the charge that Paul was giving the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He's saying, hey, eventually you're going to have to put away childish things. What are childish things? Envying, strife, division. Instead of uh, sowing and watering, uh, the church at Corinth were fighting and he says listen those things are childish those things are childish if you'll grow in Christ and you'll grow in the love of Christ you'll put away those childish things and you'll be able to to be able to love people and care about people and put other people first and other people in front and all the childish things of me first and my way will go out the door and then he says if you'll do these things, if you'll add these things to your life, then, verse, verse 8, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus 
Christ. Ultimately, ultimately as Christians, we want to be fruitful, don't we? I mean, we want to see life. That's what it means to be fruitful. See life. Other people coming to Christ instead of death. Right? Fruitful. We don't want to be barren. We want to be fruitful. He says, how do you do this? Be intentional to grow. What is the... I mean, look at it. Every week we come in here, there's so much growth coming down that path. You know, breaking limbs. It's right down this path going to the shed. I mean, it, it'll about grow in. in a couple of weeks. I'm breaking limbs off the, the green sprouts that are coming up. You know what it is? It's growth. It's growth. You open your eyes and look out there, and there's bright green uh, growth. Right? It's all over here right now. That's what we want in our spiritual life. Growth. Just growth. Life. Fruitfulness. You say, how does it happen? Being intentional to grow in Christ and fellowship with Him. So in closing, Christians, believers, we have to understand our mission, our calling in the world. This commission has been given to us by our Lord and we want to be faithful to Him to do it. Right? We want to be faithful to Him to do it. He loves He loves us. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Right? He loved the world so much that He says He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is a surrendering our life to be about the Father's business. These are going to happen in practical ways. It's going to happen by us redeeming the time. We all have the same amount of hours in a day, right? And so we begin to say, listen, this is what God would have me to do. I know it. I believe if we pray and ask, Lord, what is it that you would have me to start putting into my life? Uh, Who is it that you would have me to start praying for or trying to tell uh, tell about uh, the good news of Jesus Christ? Who is it? Where is it? What do I do? I believe if we ask Him that, that's asking for the open door that before long, We'll start seeing it, the path that we're on, and we'll start seeing those around us that need some help, need some hope. Scheduling our spiritual growth. Redeeming the time. Having a desire to know Christ more, more, more. Isn't there that song, more, more about Jesus? That should be our desire. Say more. I want to know Him more. I want to know Him better. And by knowing Him better, I'm going to grow. I'm going to add to my life virtue and patience and charity and brotherly kindness. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, as I've already said, salvation is the greatest free gift that has been ever been offered to us. By simply trusting Christ and asking Him for forgiveness of sins, trusting Him as our Lord and Savior, He will have mercy on us and receive us. So, have us bow our heads. We're going to spend some time in prayer. For Christians, if you're saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? How would you have me to grow? God, you show me, you tell me, this is what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to start being intentional about it. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Today's the day. Maybe you bow your head and pray a prayer like this. God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm accepting you and your payment for my sin. I'm asking you to be my Lord and Savior. I'm asking you to come into my heart. 
and save me. God, I thank you for that. Lord God, I thank you for this uh, church and the service that we had. God, I pray that just as we see the, the natural growth outside in the plants and the trees, God, I pray that in our own hearts, in each person here, you would stir something, cultivate something, God, that we would be uh, just have a desire, starting now, starting this week, to begin to schedule that time to be intentional to grow. Lord, help us to be a desirous of your word and prayer. Lord, help make us, each of us, Lord, soul winners. Lord, make each of us a, 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 a missionary to see the a mission field that's right in front of our faces, God. Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to follow you with all our hearts and love you with all our heart, soul, and mind. God, help us to be Christians that are growing. And Lord, as a result of that, there will be life and fruitfulness in our lives. God, we love you. We, we trust in you. You're the only way. God, you are our all in all. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Grab your songbooks. We're going to close with, I have decided to follow Jesus. I hope that's your prayer, that's your desire this week to follow Him, to serve Him. Uh, take your songbooks and turn to page 54. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus.